Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Brian's gay, and Adam's gay. It's homo superior. Issue 195. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. Uh, we got a real skeleton crew this week, but I would say it's the three most important members of Homo Superior. Wouldn't y'all agree? Yeah, people that read comics. Yeah, I agree. There you go. <laughs> this was, as Ryan, as you pointed out before, when it was just the three of us, it was really, this was supposed to be Homo Superior. And then Adam and Brent were like, I want to join too. So there are, there are like, our, there are affiliates, as I like to put it. So, so uh, we've got a pretty fun week this week. So uh, how many Lokis does it take to screw in a light bulb and take down the Time Variance Authority? Well, we'll find out. The X-Men get another first issue and a brand new treehouse. As always, Clark's got something, and we're all very worried about that. We take a trip down to the trailer park, and we finish off with a little news flash. Before we get into everything, we've got a little house speaking. Housekeeping, excuse me. Um, <laughs> as Do we both. talked about last uh, sure, I'll do both. Uh, as we talked about last week, we launched a new YouTube channel uh, with the Hellfire Gala wrapping up last week. Homo Superior kickstarted our uh, new way for you to love us by hosting a one-night special X podcast crossover Hellfire Gala Eleganza Extravaganza with extra special guests from House of X podcast, X Reads podcast, and another new uh, YouTube channel, X-Men Expertise. Now, with all these Xs, we should have just started a Red Tube, Red Tube channel and we still may. Also, if you aren't following us on social media, it's X on Twitter and Homo Superior Podcast on Instagram. We've got a lot of fun content, including our weekly superhero-based cocktail recipes called Bar Sinister, and our irregular talk show talking more with those dumb sluts, Vicky and Kiana. Also, also, if you love this podcast, please rate and review us on your listing platform of choice. And if you don't, we'll DM you uh, Ryan Crawl's personal phone number. Now let's get on with the show. So we're going to start with Loki at five journey into the mystery, a title that I absolutely love and is very significant to the Asgardian uh, parts of the MCU. So in this penultimate episode, Sylvie learns from Ravona Renslayer that Loki was teleported to the void, a dimension at the end of time where everything the TVA prunes is dumped into. Meanwhile, uh, Loki prime learns from four time variants of himself, boastful Loki uh, classic Loki, Kid Loki, and Alar Loki, that a cloud-like creature named uh, Alioth, Alioth uh, guards the void and prevents anyone from escaping. Now, in an attempt to reach Loki Prime, Sylvie prunes herself and narrowly escapes Alioth with Mobius's help. Boastful Loki attempts to betray the other Lokis for a separate Loki group uh, led by President Loki. A lot of Lokis in this episode, if you couldn't tell. However, the Lokis betray each other causing a fight to ensue and forcing our Loki and his variant allies to escape. Meanwhile, after interrogating an imprisoned Hunter B-15, Renslayer instructs Miss Minutes to give her information about the TVA's founding so she can reach whoever organized the TVA before Loki and Sylvie do. And after reuniting with Loki, Sylvie proposes a plan to approach Alioth and in, uh, enchant it in the hopes that it will lead them to the real mastermind behind the TVA's creation. As the Lokis head towards Alioth, Mobius uses a temp pad uh, Sylvie stole from Renslayer to return to the TVA, stating that he intends to reveal the truth to everyone. He offers the Loki variants to come with him, but they decline. Kid Loki and Alligator Loki escape while Classic Loki creates a large illusion of Asgard to distract Alioth, sacrificing himself in the process. This allows Loki and Sylvie to successfully enchant the creature and move past the void. Noticing the Citadel in the distance, the pair walk towards it. So a lot of stuff happened in this episode. 
very dense penultimate episode. Um, uh, before we get into some questions, there were a few Easter eggs I just really wanted to point out, and I'm sure I've forgotten a few. The first one I saw was the Thanos helicopter. Yeah. The second was Hel- Yellow Jacket's helmet. And my favorite, I think it's probably y'all's favorite too, yes! Frog reaching for Mjolnir. Oh my God, I like I lost my mind when I saw that. But what did you guys think about this episode? Ryan. I, I just, I, th- this has been my favorite, favorite episode. There's like a fun fight scene. Um, we finally get the alternate versions interacting with each other, which is basically kind of what I wanted since episode two when they sort of introduced, or episode one actually, where they introduced the idea. Um, I loved it. It was so fun, so different. Um, it was Easter eggs galore. If you're gonna time hop, if you're gonna multiverse hop, you gotta give me more Easter eggs. And this, uh, Pompeii wasn't doing it for me for the most part. Like I needed, I needed more Easter eggs. So this gave me everything I wanted. These weird offshoot characters. Um, we'll go into the characters, but like obviously, classic Loki is so fucking fun in this. He's such an awesome character. Um, I love Alligator. Like I love them all. It was, it was so fun. And we got, uh, which I never knew I wanted, which was like sexy, like uh dancey like alien music that was like boo, doo, boo, 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 boo. like it was so fucking fun i lo- i love this episode clark I, i'm bring it down it, it's, it's it's i found this to be the worst episode i think it's worse the wrongest for every single tv show uh, episode of all the marvel shows so far i i do not like this show at all it bores me at the same time it, it's just not interesting to me i don't think any of the loki's are fleshed out in a way that i find fun all those weird background Lokis were just, they, they didn't even have a cool aesthetic. It was just like someone just sma- smashed some nonsense on the other one. I'm, I don't know. I'm just really not interested in it. I liked seeing um like vote for me Loki for a hot second. I, I wanted there to be even more just like machinations between each other and really fucking each other over. Kid Loki was in it for four seconds and he wasn't really interesting. And then he went away. I hope he's, I don't know. I, I, I just thought, I feel like this whole thing's a waste of time for me. And I don't mean that to be in a punny way because, you know, time and blah, blah, blah. It just bored me to tears. Kaylin? So uh, I'm going to kind of split the difference between you two. I'm probably much more on the Ryan side of things. I, I think I enjoyed this. I definitely enjoyed this episode a lot, mostly because this is what I wanted the show to be. And it, like, we finally kind of g- got that, but it's still in we got it it was only like 49 minutes or 45 minutes for this episode uh whereas we had to deal with a lot of like the the sylvie loki prime you know romance non-romance a lot of like the uh you know subpar doctor who wannabe like you know timey-wimey hijinks and like i enjoyed it but it makes me super worried about how they're going to resolve all of this in the sixth episode and Marvel so far does not have a great track record with third acts in general. There's a few exceptions. I'd say Endgame, you know, pulls it off. The original Avengers pulls it off. Um, a few others here and there, like Black Panther. But like both WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier certainly had, they sort of like missed the mark in their like final episode. Also, um, what I liked about the show early on, and I've said this before in previous podcasts, is the uh, the bromance developing between Loki and Mobius? Like it could have even been a romance with the uh, the um, you know revelation a couple weeks ago that uh, Loki is bisexual. But 
that was like put on the back burner and we're told to care about Loki and Sylvie and none of that feels earned yet, you know? And so like, I get annoyed with stuff like that, but at the same time, uh, Alligator Loki stole the show. Like every time it was on screen, <laughs> I was like giggling. Richard Grant yeah. as classic Loki, like in the original Jack Kirby designed outfit, gave me as much joy as seeing Wanda and Vision in their original outfits in that one episode when they when it takes place during Halloween. Like, like there's stuff I love about it, but it, it still frustrates me. And I think it might not um, uh, equal the sum of its parts or not exceed the sum of its parts. Clark? You're saying the crux of the show you don't like and you don't think it's earned, this whole Sylvie-Loki relationship and Sylvie is shockingly uninteresting for how much they should have made her awesome. Um, but you still like the show, even though that whole most important part of the show is garbage. Like I, and, and you were talking I, about uh, last week, um, Ryan, this is one thing before we go back to the question you just asked. You were talking about, was it you or Adam who were talking about how bad the acting is because of how the directing is going? Like they've made these characters, these yeah, fantastic last minute change. Last minute changes probably didn't help the acting because they didn't know where they were going with these characters. Looking, watching this week, looking at Ravona, um, Gugu Mbatha Raw is a fucking awesome actress, but she is the most boring dead uninteresting villain i've ever seen in a marvel tv show or movie it's shocking i mean she might not be the villain but the antagonist at the moment is just it's it's uh, underwhelming as all hell i i would agree i would agree this is this is my least favorite of the three marvel shows right now unless it's got a bombastic ending that explains a lot and really caters to me i just personally like this one episode um, I thought it was uh, interesting. I, I really, I really like classic Loki. He was acting his fucking horns off. Like it was, it was over the top and it was stupid. Um, the fact we knew he was going to come back because he looked back at them and then started well, like it was obvious, but it, it was still fun. Um, I love about this show specifically. One of the things I like about it is the green structure he made just through his Loki powers looks completely better in a Marvel TV show than anything that happened in Green Lantern looks way more believable, all green as well. Just like, I love the comparison of like in a TV show, they killed what that Green Lantern was supposed to look like. Uh, Yeah. DC's pissed somewhere. Kalen, what do you think? Yeah. To kind of address what Clark, you know, kind of posed. I mean, you make very valid points. I, I think my, just my love for Loki in general, and especially the MCU Loki, is giving, uh, it's making me more charitable towards the show than it probably needs to be. Uh, and that's just something that I, I have to say. Um, but uh, Ryan, one point you uh, about um, original Loki or the Richard Grant Loki, what I liked about it was it kind of answered a question that a lot of people had after Infinity War when Loki was killed by Thanos that some people thought that he didn't actually escape. And so it's almost, I think the writer's doing a little bit like a wink, wink, nod, nod at um, totally. you know, the viewers saying, this is what ha- would have happened if he had actually escaped, if he had just created an illusion and Thanos and everybody else thought he was dead, the TVA would ultimately come and find him if he tried to you know, uh, uh, you know, reunite with Thor or anybody else because he was so lonely. I thought that was a really smart thing. Like, like it's these little moments I really love in the show. Uh, it's just the broader stuff that like gives a little bit 
of like it's it's not bad it's not bad it's just it's like i expect more from the mcu now it's it's just quite it's not quite there and uh this is my one point that maybe i shouldn't bring up yet but it's like do we think it's maybe because it's not based on anything specific in the comics and this is sort of like new territory where like some of the other movies are based on some pre-existing sort of known like storyline material you know what i mean i don't i don't know if it's that but i don't know there's something about that but it, it doesn't feel quite there yet in some way and i don't know how to describe it so whoever the creators were i don't remember their names they literally probably just googled time travel and marvel and found random things that aren't connected and just shoved them together like the Alioth thing has a slight connection with Kang, but and Ravona has a slight connection with Kang, and then TVA has just is just like some random thing that has been in eight issues until now. And yeah. they're just like, sure. And it, that's what I'm saying. If Kang isn't heavily involved in this going forward, then none of this made any sense or meant anything. Kaylin. Um, so two points I want to make. One about the show creators, because um I think it was last week I read or this week that they basically confirmed that they aren't going to bring up Loki's bisexuality again after uh, the revelation in episode three, which I knew was going to happen and annoyed me all over again after reading it. Because uh, as we were reviewing that episode two weeks ago, I said, I like what Marvel's going to do is mention it really quickly. Like you, you, you blink and you miss it. Um, and this is their way of saying, look, we're diverse. We have, you know, representation, but it's like, it's not real representation. It's just, it's a throwaway line in a throwaway mm-hmm. episode. Um, and so this is just, this is Disney's problem and Marvel's problem, uh, but whatever. Um, but, you know, the thing uh, to Clark's point about like whoever the big bad is, because I do want to talk a little bit about what, what we think the end might be. Like, like it's got to be Kang, but at the same time, if it is Kang, I will feel a little like this, it's an unearned moment within the show. Like it'll, it'll like, there's been nothing give us an indication that there is this like, you know, like evil time traveling person behind everything that is going to end up becoming the big bad in phase four. Um, You know, like whoever is in the Citadel uh, that uh, Sylvie and Loki prime see uh, is either, you know, like if, if it's playing by the rules of the show, it would be like another Loki there, or it could be uh, what's the name of the little like, miss time like icon myth whatever oh, yeah. her name is the mm-hmm. you know like um, is it is it, is it something else miss I don't minutes, know, like, yeah miss minutes thank you miss minutes makes a lot more sense than miss time um, <laughs> no it doesn't <laughs> but um at least it's alliterative but like like it should be king but at the same time i think you'd be kind of annoyed if it is king I, I don't know yeah. i don't know like the yeah. more clark talks about it the more annoyed i got and like watching oh, no, the episode, i was like oh that was a that was great but like Clark, I mean, like, you brought a perspective that I didn't think about, so I appreciate that. Also, one thing is, in these... Sorry. No, we're going to say about Kang. Kang's going to be the the after-credits scene. I I don't even think that, because I think these are sort of independent of the films, and his reveal to be at the end of this is a little bit too much for Marvel right now because I feel like they realize people aren't watching this as much as they are like other movies, like the actual movies. I don't mean like, hey, I'm Kang, but like, you know, some sort of... His helmet. Like Thanos. Yeah, like Thanos, Thanos, Thanos turn, turning his head. Yeah, Something even less than, yeah. just I think less than that, yeah, it would have to be. 
because they're I scared. Actually do, I do think I do think there'll be some like got, some, got, a, got a good point there because um, if Yellow Jacket's helmet was an Easter egg, that means there's a link to the next Ant Man and Wasp movie, which is called Ugh. Quantumania, and it's Ugh. already announced that like Kang is the villain in that. So um, is this all part of the quantum realm? I don't fuck if I know. You know? Yeah. Well, let's think uh, the kingdom there at the end. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, uh, so if you could be any one of those Lokis, which one do you think you would be? Um, one of those random ones that didn't have a name that just showed up out of the, when he came out of the gutter or whatever, the one with the red <laughs> hair, that guy. Yeah. 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 Iconic. <laughs> Definitely not the guy that the- literally de- devoured or like fucking killed Thanos and took all the rings and then got killed off screen. And we never saw him again. Not that Loki. Poor guy. Yeah. He was like part of the crew. I don't know. Uh, I feel like Brent would be boastful Loki. That just seems very much on brand for him. Yeah. Um, I think I'm old man Loki because obviously. Um, but but I would love for Richard Grant to play me. I also, Clark, I think you're I think you're alligator Loki because I, I, I internally I just shook my head internally as you said it because I knew exactly where this was headed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so was- all right, all right. Anything else on uh, the fifth episode? No, I, I would just say Adam's probably the garbage that's dispelled into that place. Next, we can move <laughs> on. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to make one last point. I forgot. I did like in the episode because I do want to end on a slightly positive note that like all the Lokis just start betraying one another. Because that's so, that's definitely like on brand. I thought that was great. Uh, all right, let's get into the issues of this week. So we had four uh, X books, uh, including the first issue of X Men Volume Six, I want to say, uh, Volume Five. I don't know how, I've lost count of how many volumes there have been, but it's by Jerry Dugan and Pepe Larraz. Uh, the X Men are back and they've got a new home. It's not Krakoa, it's not the blue area of the moon, and it's not the mansion. It's a treehouse on the corner of 86 and Central Park West. Intrepid reporter Marvel mainstay Ben Urich in Cyclops while Lorna Dane, a.k.a. Flores, uh, shows up and gets a tour of her new headquarters. Of course, this being a first issue and all, the newly minted X-Men have to punch something, and that something is a metallic kaiju, which requires the team to put together a makeshift Voltron in order to defeat it. And defeat it they do, but it turns out that the big giant monster is the result of a bunch of aliens trying to gentrify Earth. Oh, and an evil human scientist is trying to figure out how the Krakoans resurrect themselves. What do you guys think? First issue, brand new team, brand new headquarters. Yeah. Ryan. It, it was an okay issue. Um, I liked it. Some good setup. Um, I'm digging where it's going in the terms of the direction. Um, I love the Hickman Krakoa era that we're currently in. Um, but I will, I, I can't lie to myself anymore and I won't, and you guys won't make me, I, I miss the forming of an X-Men team and seeing them get together for the first time, seeing their dynamics. I miss, I miss all that like classic X-Men team, superheroing of it all. We've been in a different era for a long time. It, it was nice to go back to that for a little bit. So I, I really did enjoy that. Um, you see, there's a lot of relationships to build on there. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a bright future for the X-Men and I'm excited. Clark, what you think? Um, I mean, the, the art is wonderful and yeah. I, the world building, 
I don't I don't think the characterization is there yet. And not that any of the characterization was off. It just wasn't strong, you know? Yeah. There, their voices were fine. But, I mean, we weren't really getting into character at the moment anyways. Yeah, okay. uh, 100% agree. 100% agree on both those things. Um, I also like the moment when they're about to, like, defeat the, the kaiju the big metallic kaiju and like the Avengers and Fantastic Four say that they're on their way, but then the X-Men handle it. And then like, you just see like their like ships. You don't even see any of the characters on panel saying, Hey, great job. And it just kind of is a great shorthand way of showing like these X-Men are, they're like, it's almost like when Cyclops had his extinction level team back 10 years ago, when he had the schism with Wolverine, like they're powered up to like take on the Avengers. They're powered up to take on the Fantastic Four. So it definitely felt that way. Um, it was good. I, I I do miss, to your point, Ryan, I miss the, like, the interaction of an actual, like, X-Men team. We haven't had that for a few years, and it hasn't been, we haven't had a good one, maybe since X-Men Red, which is at least three years old. Um, I'm just curious to see how they're going to stack up against some of the external threats, because it's not like, it's not like evil mutants are going to be their adversaries because they're all on Krakoa, or if they're on Krakoa and they're not you know, like on the quiet council or just hanging out, they're in the pit like Sabretooth. So like they have to set up a whole new cadre of villains, which could be a wonderful thing, but it also makes me a little bit worried. Like doing the space casino thing again, I was like, all right, fine, here we go again. This is a trope that we've seen a million times, but I don't know. Ryan? I, I love that one of their vill- villains is just basically someone that like purchased the house before you did. <laughs> I was going to buy that house. And, and you're like, uh, okay, I, oh, so you hate me forever? Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a big jump. Like, someone just got to it before you. It's very, it's very um, uh, tech, tech uh, valley, I feel like. It just it feels kind of stupid sometimes. Okay, so I, I have a question for you guys. So I came up with two names because I don't like the names they called the, the park in New York. Um, should it be called Treehouse of Whores or... Or Grey Garden. Yes. I, I don't know. I love them yes. both. Yes, both. Which one? Both. Okay. Let's, let's one? Three House of Seneca. Wars. It's a Simpsons reference. No, no, no. no. What is the, no, the, what is the real one? Seneca, Seneca something, Seneca Gardens. Okay. It sounds like a shitty yeah. place that you go to in Florida for the day. Like a day. And trip. you would know that, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, I know I would. And they have alligators yeah. there. They're not Loki. So. So I do have a question for y'all as well. Um, so, you know, they're doing a lot of like uh, sort of idolizing and building like m- almost like mementos or m- um, memorials to John Proudstar, Thunderbird, the first, uh, well, not the first person killed, but like the first one killed from the all new different uh, team back in the seventies. Yeah. Are they never going to bring him back? Is like, <laughs> like, and is there an in-story reason why they're not? Because they brought everybody else back. I it's thought- so I shitty. Thought- that all of this is based on um, Cerebro, and did, did did he have Cerebro by that? Well, yeah, he must have. Yeah, he must have. And I I think Sinister's got all like Sinister oh. has all those like backups, doesn't he? he? Maybe because Sinister has Proud Star in in him. You know how he has some Proud Star DNA. Maybe uh, yeah. they're stopping it. I don't know. That He's might be. That, they're not bringing him back. Could... I guess. I mean, I, I don't I, necessarily want him back because he sucked as a character, but like, James Pratt is so much better. But like, yeah. oh, oh. I'd love to see the queue 
because it's so confusing sometimes like some of the older mm-hmm. ones are just been brought back and they're there for like six months and some of the newer ones have not been brought back yet like it's it's very strange i don't know how they prioritize i mean the only well, people that are dead are gorgon sorta and rockslide sorta and crowd star any, yeah well and also anyone that's a, and, um, yeah any precogs as well yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um and I was a little confused. So like the, the beginning of the issue showed a um, um, like a human scientist who was angry at the X-Men for not uh, for like basically beating him to the Mars, beating him to Mars. Like he was mm-hmm. getting all prepared. And then the end of the issue had some another scientist showing like like trying to crack the code of resurrection on Krakoa. Is this supposed to be the same person or are they two different people? I got the impression it was the same person. I thought it was the same person. What yeah. was his name? Like Clompdopterus Rex? Sure, yes. <laughs> Martian Mad Hunter, yeah. Like kind of Mestis. I don't know what it was. But anyways, I kind of yeah. felt bad for him. His parents stole hundreds of millions of dollars from him. And then his next yeah. big plan was just immediately screwed over. Yeah, why didn't they just say he was like Danny Bonaducci? Like basic, they could have yeah, just done that. <laughs> oh God. I thought you were an asshole who like, ends up on bad reality shows and gets punched in the face with Greg Brady. That's his future, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, definitely a good-looking first issue. Uh, certainly, you know, I think there's a lot of promise here. Um, excited to see where it goes. I love almost all the characters a lot. I think I think Sync is probably going to end up becoming, like, the sort of the MVP of the book. I think they're giving him a lot to do. Like, um, I, I don't know, like, him, like, pulling together the Voltron so mm-hmm. to speak, of the robot. I love that the robot's going to become part of Krakoa. It's like part of like, you know, um, I don't remember which which part of Krakoa they put it on, but like uh, like he's almost like a lighthouse for them, uh, but not the lighthouse that Excalibur uses. That's a, a whole different lighthouse. So uh, let's move on. Oh, I was going to say, I like that robot. That robot is very cute. Yeah, he's nice. Oh, I, they look great. Yeah. So hopefully, I don't know what Pepe Larraza's like speed is, but like, X-Men do get like really great artists, but they also get really great artists that sometimes can't match a monthly schedule. So I'm hoping we don't get a ton of fill-ins. All right, let's move on to Children of the Atom number five by Vita Ayala and Paco Medina. Okay, so it turns out those X-Men at the end of issue four were the real deal after all. And pay no attention to the continuity because this issue takes place before the Hellfire Gala, which is why we saw Carmen at the gala in last week's X-Factor. Anyways, back to this issue, which is narrated by Nighty Nightcrawler. The children and the X-Men defeat the human, and then Storm shows up to invite Carmen to the gala because she's a mutant after all. Oh, and the story concludes in the next issue. So is this a six-issue miniseries and we just didn't know about it? I mean, I don't... Hopefully. (laughs) We're never going to know about their pal, whatever his name is, and Cole. Yeah. Oh, Cole, yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like there's not a lot, not a lot to be um, to, more to say about these characters. And after like the revelation is revealed, like like what like what the deal is, and we got the deal for Carmen a little bit, but it also makes me sad because I think Vita does a really nice job of writing them as just teenagers, as just like if you take away the trappings of the X Men, of the superhero stuff, if they're just you know. 
like teenagers living in in Marvel's New York and just like you know kind of idolizing these folks I think I would really love this book like it would just be like a little teenage like dramedy you know I, I would be kind of happy with that but I don't think it would sell I just don't see the what why was this written I got nothing couldn't tell you it it was written it was written because it is showing a diverse group coming together. I think we have a lot of subcategories of a team book that we've never seen before, which is great. Um, I don't know why they had to necessarily brand it as like a, a X-Men book. Probably because it was going to do better if it was that rather than just called like, you know, the newest warriors or whatever whatever the fuck Marvel would do. But like, uh, I, I think there's some good points in it and it's kind of interesting. I, I don't know why they're so connected to the X-Men lore because most of them are not mutants, obviously. It's probably just Carmen. Um, also, wait, why is this guy like this little kid, 13 years old, and he knows who John Waters is and like other like oldie, oldie directors. Like these little fucking bitches don't know anyone. They don't no. know anyone. I know the I'm internet sorry, exists. okay. Go. I will Speak say this. Dot, so Dawson's Creek, a show about teenagers taking place 20 some odd years ago. Dawson mm. knew about some old school directors way before his time. And that was during the nascent days of the internet. So oh. in like this time around, I, I could I could see some like teenage kid thinking he's hot shit because he knows who John John Waters is or oh, knows yeah. who Dusty Springfield is or like anything that's like before their time. Like I, I can, I can see that. And that was a nice little touch. I didn't mind that at all. I was happy with it. Cause JJ was the only character I ever liked and he turned out to be a John Waters fan. So I'm sold on him even more. Yeah. And I, I, I do very relatable because he, you know, he just wants to like have a good relationship with his stepbrother, like feel like he like belongs. I think like, again, Vita does a really nice job with all these, like kind of internal like narrations or the, the monologues that they all have in these issues. I think that's all the fun. It's just mystery though, like who the fuck cares? And like, like the whole idea, even like those being the real X-Men coming in at the end of last issue and throughout this issue, I was like, who is this and why are they together? Like, like yeah. and Maggot and like Wolverine and like Cyclops. Like, why are they hanging? I don't know. I don't know. I just felt magma like this, 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 this book was put magma was a, this issue was supposed to, I mean, this comic series, excuse me, was supposed to come out last year. It got pushed because of the pandemic and other reasons. And it just, it doesn't quite fit with what is, is the broader like storyline that Hickman wants to do. But I think Hickman really likes Vita a lot and wants, wanted to give them like a book that they could, um, you know, like explore certain themes. Um, and they're killing on new mutants, so and I hope they get like more X X work, you know, after this. Clark. So why do we have like everyone's analogs show up, and then like why isn't Gambit there? Why isn't Archangel there? Slash Angel there? It just seems like a waste. Oh yeah. Like we really need Pixie and Maggot when we've got yeah. people there playing off of purposefully. That would be much more interesting. That's the writer I thought that- to use Maggot. That's all that. And I and I appreciate it because if I was a writer, I would be like, "Well, oh, Dazzler's here. What? She was at the other <laughs> bar right next door. Okay, yeah, but, but you, as a writer, pur- purposely chose the characters they were trying to emulate. Wouldn't you say one of them wants to be Maggot? If you really wanted to have Maggot show up later, yeah. Then it called like, so I, what would the little Maggot be? What's that sidekick? <laughs> God, I just I, I, 
I answer would, the question. I, okay. I just I thought you were trying to just like, say faggot. <laughs> no, I didn't say it. Well, you said it, so there you go. Uh, I I actually like that it wasn't all the analogs because if that would have been the case, I would have been like, this is too fucking cute by half. I don't really like that. Two on the nose. I'm like, what? Like, I don't need to see fucking Gambit and Archangel there. Like, I like those, on the nose. Like, Archangel. When they had double jean, I was like, double jeans on the nose. This is shit. Anyway, sorry, Kalen. No, it's okay. But Jean and Cyclops make a lot of sense being there. And then Nightcrawler, I guess, makes sense. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why he's not on Krakoa trying to find religion at this point. But or I don't know. Like, they, the continuity seems off. It's or if off. they're it's like, a little bit off. Yeah, if they're like, I'm going to call the X-Men. How about the current X-Men team? <laughs> Again, <laughs> they, the continuity, it's it's pre-gala. So, like, that know, team doesn't know, exist yet. So, like, all of it's just, like, it's just, a like, again, I, like, it's not a bad title. There's a lot to enjoy. And the art got, like, Bernard Chang was a fine artist for the first couple of issues. But Paco Medina, my God, that guy, like, he's been, a, been around for a long time. And his art yeah. is just, like, on point. Why like, wasn't right, this, well, let's, why didn't this issue like double ship? Why didn't they double ship a fucking month so it's ahead of time? It made no goddamn sense. I don't know what the I don't know. I don't know. I don't I'm know. Just... <clears throat> I don't know either. Um so let's move on to Hellions number 13 by Zeb Wells and guest artist Roche Antonio. So the right want their self-replicating mutant AI back, Nanny, and they're gonna send in the Zeta team to get it. Meanwhile, the Hellions who have spent the last 13 issues on the verge of falling apart are really, really about to fall apart. Psylocke spurns a lovelorn Grey Crow, a nanny yells at an Orphan Maker, and Orphan Maker and Grey Crow decide to clean guns rather than dealing with their feelings. Oh, and, and the sinister that got left behind uh, in Ameth during Ten of Swords is back, and it turns out he's an agent for Tarn the Uncaring and his Locust Vile, and he's brought them to the Hellions headquarters for a rematch. So, uh, my Big question for y'all, because uh, I really love this issue, and I think y'all did too. Do we think the mutant AI is going to fit in with Hickman's larger storyline for the X books? Because he keeps talking about how artificial intelligence is artificial intelligence. Excuse me, is the uh, antithesis of what the mutants are. I, I don't think so. I don't think so, but I would love that because I want the Hellions to be ingrained in anything that's like a super event. Mm -hmm. I want them front and motherfucking center. Nanny's just throwing mechanical weird ass babies at people. Like that's what I want. But I don't know if it's gonna happen. I mean, I would like to I don't know if they'll show up like that either, but I do I do like the fact that maybe this will be like the alternative to like, you know robots ai taking over the world and killing all mutants maybe there's like one that's not a complete piece of shit that like nanny's gonna raise and be a complete weirdo about <laughs> yeah uh i i hope so because i do think you know um as i i reread you know planet size x-men a couple of times and like all the hellfire gala stuff i think part of what all that is is moira trying to fast track like the phalanx and all of them coming to, to Earth and to Seoul, I guess, and Morocco to let her fast forward to that because she saw all that in her sixth life as we saw in uh, House of X and Powers of Ten. So having like um, like this sort of like mutant AI, like and like almost like you know somebody uh, something that's a little bit different and something is maybe a little bit more benign, like as the antithesis that I think would be kind of cool. But I, I fucking love this book. And like after the last few issues, like the, the 
Hellfire Gala one was okay. The RK storyline didn't really work for me because I felt it, it wrapped like too quickly. This issue is like back on form for me. Like I loved all the interaction, like the Sinner fight, bringing back the Locust Vile, where they were like such creepy villains, and like one of them talking about how he ate like Havoc's hands or like fists <laughs> or wrists or whatever the hell, like fucking weird and creepy. It's just it's it's really really good, right? Yeah, I really like I the, yeah, this comic is going to go down as one of my favorites. I think I'm going to think about for a long time. Gray Crow is just so nice now. What a nice person. Hey, let's talk about it, but not really. Let's just clean guns. But like he he's just the sweetest person now. I guess cuz he found love or something, who knows. But um I also love uh Sinister's dialogue will always be phenomenal in this book. Anyone else writing Sinister will never do as well as this because mm. it's so fucking great. The, the, uh, and I want you guys to do this for me when I become too much where you just go, let's get you in the incinerator real quick. Let's get you in the incinerator. Like, it's just so fucking funny. <laughs> uh, so good. Yeah, well, well Matt, we plan on doing that too. Thank Matt, you. Matt Fraction did, uh, with Grey Crow, he actually started rehabilitating him back in the Utopia days where he turned good um what i was gonna i just love every single tiny unnecessary dumb little moment i love the like literally the probably the only line that um i keep calling him neophyte empath says was basically just upset that he actually saved everybody (laughs) (laughs) that was stupid (laughs) no i didn't yeah (laughs) so good all right, let's move on to the last X-Book of this week, X-Force number 21 by Benjamin Percy and Joshua Cassara, the regular team. So instead of dealing with the murder of Scarlet Witch, uh, we're going to have to wait till the trial of Magneto next month. Uh, X-Force decides to spend this issue by fighting more plants. Uh, so, Ryan, you'll love that. Uh, so besides the Krakoan and the Terra uh, Verdean uh, intelligent plant strains, there's a third one based on the man thing called, I shit you not, Manslaughter. Yes, manslaughter. And it looks like it's the result of Weapon Plus, those sinister folks behind Wolverine and other folks. Uh, anyone else think it's weird that we didn't get a follow-up to Wanda being killed? Because when that happened uh, in X-Factor <laughs> last week, you saw Wolverine over Wanda's body saying, where's Magneto? Yep. And it's no, like, no. we instantly jump into this. Yeah. And like it started with a flashback which I was like, oh, then I guess they're going to do some of that. But then it goes into like this like more plant shit. And I'm like, I, I want to believe that Benjamin Percy's got like a big plan for this book with what Hickman's got like for all the books. But like, I like this plot at the outset, but man, is it losing me. <laughs> it lost yeah. me long ago. I know, me too. Me too, man. It's, doing... uh, oh, man. it's just oh, all man. over the place at this point. I don't really care about these plants anymore captain plants it's like it's just they're mad at like bio waste and stuff like it's just boring i don't uh, the only time this book is good oh sorry excuse me no you're right the only time this book is good is when beast is doing terrible things and i hate beast but at least it's a dynamic and interesting when he's just complete piece of shit over and over and over again yeah and i said before like i want to see this book with like the rest of krakoa like reacting to Beast being a piece of shit. I think that's what's going to make it super interesting. And that's not there yet. I don't know. I did like the moment of like the 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 not man thing spitting in 
Wolverine's face because that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, that was, was a good looking. That was a good looking panel, Clark. Yeah. So there have already been two different characters named Manslaughter. One was a Defenders villain slash actually like hero for a while. That was in quite a few issues, and another one was just like seemingly racist because his name is Manslaughter. But um, African American yeah. character who is a villain for Luke Cage in like two issues. Jesus. All right. Well, that's been the issues this week. Uh, Clark, I, I feel like you got something and I don't know about Ryan, but I'm, I'm a little terrified. Yeah, I, I do have something, but I'm going to save it so that you can get to Black Widow faster. Oh, well, thank you for the, for our listeners. I am going to uh, go see Black Widow this evening and we'll be doing a special extra issue reviewing at some point. So uh, let's move on to uh, let's go back down to the trailer park there. because uh, If you didn't see it yet. There is a new brand new trailer for uh, the What If series uh, that's coming out on Disney Plus on August 11th. What If, of course, is based on the old comic series in Marvel uh, that had Watu the Watcher narrating each issue saying, you know, looking at a different universe, how uh, things might have unfolded if like Captain America never came out of ice, if, if Dark Phoenix was never killed off. If the Fantastic Four never got their powers, we get it. We got it. Did you get it? Did you get my joke? Did you get it? (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, so uh, this is very much set in the MCU. Uh, Like we see things like Peggy Carter becoming, getting the Super Super Soldier Serum, Uh, Black Panther uh, hanging out with, um, um, oh God, what's his face from Guardians of the Galaxy? The fuck's his name? It's not Watu, but it sounds like that. Yondu. There it is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So, uh, it looks kind of cool, but I've got some misgivings about the animation, but I want to hear what you guys think. You hate realistic animation, and you need to speak on that. It looks pretty fun. The voice acting is spot on because it's the real actors, but um, it looks fun. It looks kind of throwaway. I feel like they're bringing this out earlier than we thought because so we can throw it into like multiverse because we're probably going to see some of these weird alternate versions actually show up in the real movie cinematic universe um but looks fun i'm excited no real other thoughts do you you remember do you remember the issue of what if where all the x the x the um all new all different x-men all died on krakoa and so xavier had to get a third team yeah and it was like (laughs) i'm bringing up because cat's eye was one of them so important they had to go that far down the list i just remember so in a cat's eye. I don't know else, but it was just well there was there was a there was a couple different versions because the one i remember it's like beast assembles that third team and it's like wanda and pietro join and it's james proud star ends up becoming like thunderbird 2 and i think it was like no, issues number eight or nine of what if i don't ask me how i remember the numbers i have a weird memory for that but that like one, the cat's eye one is probably a little bit later on. I don't think I even read that one. No, that one's the nuts. That one's nuts. The other one seems too normal. I don't like that. What the <laughs> fuck is cat's eye going to do to that living island? Listen here. She's going to talk to a cat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I, I will I'll start off by saying something positive about the trailer. I think it was super smart that they start off with Iron Man when Tony Stark mm-hmm. is in Afghanistan and like, um you see like, like everything kind of unfurl like it doesn't in, in the first movie and then when the missile comes down killmonger is there to like kind of take care take, take care of it and so it like forms this like you know like killmonger and tony stark form this bond i'm actually very interested to see where that story goes uh i to ryan's point i 
am still not in love with the animation. I think it looks good from a action standpoint, but we see the faces all so uncanny valley that it just makes me feel a little uneasy. You guys remember that animated movie about 20 years ago? Um, uh, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Well, yes. that and Scanner and Scanner Darkly, both mm -hmm. of them. Uh, like Final Fantasy Spirits Within was like very like it was made me feel uneasy because none of the faces moved the way they were supposed to. And then Scanner Darkly, like which was a Richard Linklater movie, uh, actually had real people like like acting out the stuff and then like animators animated over them. And that made me feel uneasy too. And I just think I, I like more like cartoony stuff to differentiate uh, from real life. Like that kind of blurring of the two just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. But, but this is highly stylized. That is not that is not them doing bad CGI and then being like, oh my God, why is what's-his-face from Tron look so young? It's not that shit. It's actually no. animated this way. It looks, it looks good. It does. It does look. I'm talking about my personal preferences, Ryan. Like it does. I, I'm not. I'm not discounting the quality of it. I just think it makes me feel a little uneasy. Like I just get a little weirded out when I see the trailer. I, I will get over it when the show comes out because I'm very excited about it. I hope, like, because it's mentioning the multiverse. The multiverse will be coming to the MCU. I hope there is stuff that uh, is somewhat canonical and kind of resonates with like some of the movies down the road. I'm. I'm excited. I'm excited. We're getting more Marvel content when Loki ends uh, next week, even though we've got some misgivings about Loki. And I think there are a few characters. I think Tony Stark really freaked me out. I did not like that looking at that at all, but most of the other characters I was fine with. Maybe it was just everyone else is either in darkness or they have different color, you know, like some sort of swirling thing for Drax and stuff like that, but he, he creeped me out. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, well, uh, I don't know about y'all, but I'm hearing a little sound there. It's a Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Kalen, something has come across my desk. Okay, so in some very sad recent news, Richard Donner, who directed many, many fan favorite movies, including *Lethal Weapon*, *The Goonies*, and of course, what most people might know, *Superman*, the first movie, he passed away this week. The *Superman* movie really reinvented the superhero in film and brought us some great legitimacy to the genre at hand. Uh, in a moment where we won't make fun of stuff, uh, what are some of your favorite films he's directed or done any part of? And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts other than sadness? Uh, I mean, sad, but he also, he passed away at the age of 91. So he led, led a very long life and he had a yep, wonderful career. <laughs> yeah, it should have been. 191. Um, no, I like, look, I mean, the original Superman, um, my parents took me to see it as a kid uh, when it was re-released when we lived in India. And like, and like, it's not a movie that holds up in a modern sense, but it gets so much of the stuff right. I think Christopher Reeve is a perfect Superman slash Clark Kent. I think uh, Gene Hackman is a wonderful iteration of Lex Luthor. Uh, he's uh, an underrated comedic actor and he also knows how to bring menace to the screen. And I really like Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. I think she's the best Lois we've seen on screen. Um, I love that. And the Goonies, I mean, how could you not love the Goonies? Like that is like, that's probably my favorite movie of his. Yeah, uh, but same. like if Richard Donner hadn't created Superman, we would not have superhero movies the way that they are. We just wouldn't. Um, yeah. uh, he, created the temp he created the template. And so for that, like, even if he had done nothing else, I think 
uh, he should be lauded for that. Yeah. I mean, they, the Goonies basically encompass what the eighties were too. It's such a phenomenal film in so many yeah. ways. That's my, that's my number one. Um, yeah. It's sad to see that because it's such a good movie. I Goonies is my number one as well. My second is the Omen. I do love a movie where Staten wins. Oh yeah, yeah. He <laughs> he really did a lot of different genres too. It wasn't he wasn't um, Zack Snydering it up, you know. So one so one negative is that he um, executive produces X Men Origins Wolverine. Oh no, wow. that's tough, Kalen. That's why those under hundred those extra hundred years didn't happen. Maybe he's the he's the one that said let's cast Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, but make him fun, and then they changed everything. Let's just say that. Let's say that. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. (laughs) Uh, In other news, guys, some stupid rumors have been coming out lately. Uh, This week, Hugh Jackman shared a couple of photos on his Instagram. First was some fan art uh, of him as Wolverine, just the Wolverine claws from Boss Logic, which, I mean, you can perceive that as whatever, him paying homage to anything in his past. Uh, later, uh, a little less than 24 hours after that, he posted a picture of an old MCU photo, uh, like an old photo of him and Kevin Feige, which, as we know, is the MCU mastermind. So with that, and then, then actually, fun, funnily enough, right after he posted something, about donor as well so <laughs> so not related but still but so so a lot of people are speculating that is he in some capacity gonna come to the mcu and what does that mean what do you guys think i, I think know, two people have too much time on their hands people have too much time on their hands i i disagree i think it's sort of ryan reynolds marketing where he's going to make a brief cameo in multiverse of madness and then they will finally be done with him forever. I guess. I just, I don't know. I got annoyed. Like, Clark and I, we talked about this during WandaVision when you had What's-His-Face uh, playing Pietro. Evan for, Peters, like yeah. Evan Peters, thank you. And everyone was like, oh, my God, blah, 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 multiverse. And I'm just like, and I'm glad that they, the revelation was like, he was a nobody. He was that guy, Ralph, that, like, Agnes was, like, talking about uh, all throughout the series. And just, like, I don't, I just... I don't even want the Easter eggs. I don't want them. I just want like clean break. I don't, I just want us to move on. And like, it's just, everybody just has too much time on their hands and there's not enough news coming out. You know, normally we'd have San Diego Comic-Con happening soon. And there'd be like, like all this information about MCU films, DC films, comics, Star Wars, you name it. And it's just like, we're just hungry, hungry for content or upcoming content. Agreed. We're hungry, hungry hippos. If you give them this Wolverine cameo, it'll just keep people just dragging. They want to drag it back over and over and over and over again. If you give that little piece, they're going to want the whole fucking mile. I do not want it. I yeah. would agree. Fuck, we, fuck the Singerverse. I don't need it. We got to move on. I agree. Moving on. Um, in other MCU-related news, rapper and songwriter Megan the Stallion is maybe going to play herself. Oh, no, it is confirmed. She will be playing herself. And the She-Hulk series in Disney Plus. Okay, with her actually being who she is in real life, is this breaking the fourth wall in the way that She-Hulk does? Sort of Deadpool-esque. Is this them saying like, hey, just be aware this is going to be a self-aware series? Or is it just a fun little cameo that we're talking about right now? What do you guys think? 
I think it's probably just a fun little cameo. Um, it's like Megan Thee Stallion exists in the MCU and She-Hulk may be a fan. And um, I think that, I don't know this for a fact, but Megan Thee Stallion could be like a huge Marvel fan, you know? Um, I'm a fan of hers. You don't period. think they're going to break the fourth wall and constantly reference celebrities and other shit like that? Maybe. Maybe they will. I think there'll be a level of that. I don't think it'll be to the point yeah, where, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going like to be breaking like, through happy. the movie screen. Yeah, I have no interest in listening to her music, but I like her a lot. I liked her. Well, and another exclusive report that has not been reported: she will be redoing the uh, fan favorite uh, song "I Want Your Cray Cray." I don't know what that. I don't know what that means. <laughs> anyone want to speak on that or anything? Uh, I thought we weren't going back to stuff like <laughs> let the Netflix shows die, but. I will dance to I Want to Be Your Cricket. I Want to Be Your Cricket <laughs> as sung by Megan, <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion. I don't know what I want to be your Cricket, but I, I want, like your I want, <laughs> I want your KKs. Yeah, that's what I say to you, bitch. I love you. Okay, moving on. Yeah. Uh, HBO has announced that Lovecraft Country has not been renewed for a second season. The showrunner, Misha Green, has said she did have ideas for the second season. That seemed kind of interesting. Um, it was going to do a time skip and literally America was going to be divided. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Do you think there's potential for it to come back? Would you want it to come back? I know there's a lot of mixed reviews online. Like people were happy when it, uh, finished with the first season, people wanted more. What do you guys think? Kalen. So I, I never, I never finished the first season cause I wasn't really into it. And I realized the show wasn't for me. So, um, I, I'll just put that out there. Um, if, if, if the show had, if the cre- the show runner had said, all I told what I said, what I wanted to say, I told what I want to do, like Damon Lindelof did with Watchmen, I would have been fine with it, but it sounded like she had more to say. And I'm sorry that she didn't get to say it like, or HBO didn't her say it because the tweet she sent out about like what she was going to do the second season. Cause she, she had to go past the book, um, you know, creating like, like an alternate version of history where, you saw like the, the, the map of the United States all divided in different parts. I thought was like, oh, fuck, this could be really cool because sometimes when shows go past their source material, they can get really interesting, a la The Leftovers. So the or- first season of The Leftovers is pretty good. Second season is fantastic. And third season's iffy, but ends on a really high note. And it's because seasons two and three had a chance to get past the book. So I'm just, yeah. I'm like, even if I didn't like it, I'm sorry she didn't get a chance to finish it. Yeah, or agreed. it could be like Game of Thrones and have two terrible seasons because they had gotten past the book. Um, That's true. I didn't really get a chance to talk about this show because of reasons, but I, I, this, I don't want this to be liable or anything. Um, oh God! I, 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 this show was probably the one of the most homophobic, homophobic shows I've seen in years. Every single character that wasn't heterosexual was murdered left, right, and center, or either knocked out and had no no plot at the very end. Literally, like maybe five of the seven characters that were queer in any sense of the word, absolutely murdered, shot in the face, stabbed, head crushed, slut, throat slit. It was shocking. And then, yeah, and even the hero shot some uh, a poor um, Asian lesbian in the head. It was like, what is this crap? Like, I have, I have nothing but disrespect for this show. Absolutely hate it. It's shocking. Absolutely shocking. I- it's like... It's the biggest barrier gaze of any barrier gaze show I've seen in, a, I don't know, a decade. Who knows? 
rough. Anyways, I've, glad it's not coming back because that was frightening. I've heard that, uh, and I don't know how much of that is from the source material because I haven't read the book. No, um, no, the characters weren't gay. <laughs> okay, um, so that, that that gives me some pause. Um, I regardless, I, I, I still I'm, I'm sad like... to I'm sad to see the cast not come back because I think all of the cast were acting their fucking faces off. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it rather than maybe some of the, some of the plot and some of the, <laughs> some of the other stuff in the show, but I, I really enjoyed the cast. So for that reason, I'm sad to see them not get another season because I hope they just show up in a lot more places going forward. So on the, the second thing that was happening with that world map, the world map, excuse me, country map where it's like white people on the East Northeast, um, Black people yeah. in the southeast. And you're talking East, about Nisha Green's tweet. Yeah. About, and then okay. indigenous people are <laughs> just talking about the real world. Oh, no. Indigenous people <laughs> are, in the west, are in the center and west coast. Um, is that there's this whole white region between the three that is all made of zombies. Which that's the moment when I read that and I was like, you know, what? I don't think I need to see this like mildly walking dead, but like a racial connotations aspect to it. It, it gave me a little bit of uh, East of West, Jonathan Hickman's graphic novel series for Image, where like he had like an alternate history of the U.S. post the Civil War. So that's what got me a little excited. But um, Clark, to your point, like if it's homophobic, then I don't think I need to watch anymore. I don't know if it was purposefully, but it just it just so happened that they all were just slaughtered, or beaten up, or just beaten up and then shoved off the screen. Not not great. Well, uh, I, that's been our issue. Uh, as we said before, rate, review, and review us if you like us. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We've got fun stuff. So give us follows, please. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. I love you. Mm-hmm.